This is the Robert Lewis Sermons Podcast, a collection of sermons from Dr. Lewis's time as a teaching pastor at Fellowship Bible Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. The following message is one of Robert's original messages to men on manhood, found here under the series heading, Authentic Manhood. We hope you grow in your faith and love Jesus more as you learn through these teachings. Thank you. Well, good morning, men. And uh, thank you for that uh, warm round of applause. Boy, what a great group is here today. This is just absolutely awesome. And I appreciate that applause And uh, as far as welcoming me. But you know, uh, you guys are really the ones who need to be applauded. I'm very serious in that. Uh, you're the ones who somewhere a few weeks ago saw... Uh, an ad for men's fraternity or had a friend ask you to come to men's fraternity. And for whatever reason, you came to a place where you decided, I need that. I need to keep growing as a man. I need to uh, be a better dad, a better lover, a better employee or employer. I need uh, resources for myself to help me keep growing as a man. Insights, helps, encouragements. Now, maybe some of you need deeper friendships to cheer with you along the way. So really, you're the ones that need to be applauded for taking the courageous step to be here today and to be a part of a new adventure that we're calling Authentic Manhood at Work and Home and How to Win in Both. And uh, guys, wouldn't you like to win in both of those? Wouldn't you like to be better and step up and kind of have a, an upgrade this year where at the end of the year you feel better about yourself? Boy, that's my desire as well. It's my hope for you. And, and uh, I'm going to make a couple of statements to you right here at the beginning. And there are these. One, I'm going to try to provide you this year with everything I've got, those kind of resources to encourage your heart. And then secondly, I'm going to give you my very best. It is a championship season this year for all of us. And we want to win, don't we, at work and at home. Uh, let's stop, though, just for a moment. Take a look around you. There are all kinds of men here today. If you look around, you'll see urban men. You're going to see suburban men. And you're going to see some country guys as well. All around you. You're going to see uh, guys who are blue-collar, white-collar, and some who have no collar. <laughs> some who are single. Uh, some who are single again. Some who are married. Some who are remarried. Some who hope to be married. Some who have kids, some who don't have kids, some who are expecting kids. We've got boomers, busters, Gen Xers, mosaics, all kinds of categories here today of men. And uh, we want you to know you're very welcome to be here. In fact, I want you to know, uh, having turned 50 just a few years ago, I've entered a whole new category of manhood. It's called old. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just wonder here at the start, how many of you are on the way to joining me in that category? In fact, I got a little quiz to see how you stack up, and you can kind of see which side of the line you fall into in this uh, category called old. So I've got this quiz for you. Here it is. Describe your family's first TV set. Was it A, a Sony, or was it B? A huge wooden cabinet with two big knobs and a teensy screen featuring a black and white picture that, re you, that you rarely saw because your dad was always standing in front of it adjusting the rabbit ear antenna and saying bad words. <laughs> Who was featured on your first lunchbox? Was it A, Davy Crockett? Was it B, Vanilla Ice? Do you remember Howdy Doody? A, of course I remember Howdy. B, you're making that name up, aren't you? <laughs> Who was the first living U.S. president whom you were aware of? Was it A, Dwight D. Eisenhower? Or was it B, Vanilla Ice? <laughs> and then finally, where were you the first time you heard of the Beatles? Was it A, in a station wagon, or B, in a fallopian tube? <laughs> <laughs> we, 
Well, you can kind of tell where you are in that category, old or young. But uh, hey, guys, here at the start, I want to welcome you because regardless of what category you find yourself in today, here's what I want you to know. We're here, at least this morning we're here, to talk about the two mirrors that every man looks into to feel like a man. Many of you remember the fairy tale of Snow White and the Wicked Witch. And the Wicked Witch every day would go and look in her mirror and she would say, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? And the mirror would suddenly come into focus and it would speak back to her and say, well, Snow White. And the witch would go into a rage every day. And eventually that witch, because of her rage, went into some destructive behaviors. The reason I tell you that is because that fairy tale carries a lot of truth, as do all fairy tales. That fairy tale carries truth for us as men here this morning because every man, every day, looks into one of two mirrors or both. Two mirrors that size himself up as a man. Two mirrors that give him a sense of whether he's being a real-time success or whether he's stumbling in life and not feeling good about himself as a man. And you see those two mirrors, they're portrayed here. There's this, this mirror of work on the one side, and then there's this mirror of home on the other side. And we walk into these mirrors every day in one way or another, and we look into the mirror and we say, mirror, mirror on the wall, am I doing any good at all? We ask that hard question. And if we go to this mirror and we ask that question, am I doing any good at all? And the mirror says, well, yes. Well, then we have a deep sense of satisfaction about our life. It's kind of a spring in our step as we walk through the day feeling pretty good. I'm doing good as a man. On the other hand, if we go into the mirror and say, am I doing any good at all? And the mirror frowns at us, becomes dark and gloomy, then we feel a, a deep sense of loss about ourselves. We feel pain. And guys, listen, <clears throat> if you feel pain long enough, then just like the witch, it's real easy to go into a rage or to collapse into some destructive behavior and cheap thrills in order to numb the pain of life because the mirror is not speaking the answer but I wanted to hear from it. Here's the bottom line. We're all performance-driven. It's in our DNA to perform well. Not to perform perfectly, but to perform well. And for any man to really feel good about his life, he needs more wins than losses when it comes to these two mirrors of his work and his home. And I want you to know my hope this year as we spend time together is that I can help you provide more wins than losses. And for some of you to win more and to win bigger, and for some of you to get back on the track of winning if you find yourself off that track. But for all of us, the end zone is when we can look into these two mirrors and ask that question, am I doing any good at all? And we find the mirror smiling back at us and saying, yeah, <laughs> you are doing a lot better. You're doing good. Go for it. Now here at the start, just to get everybody oriented, I need to give you kind of a brief ori orientation of the, the whole year of men's fraternity. You might take a look at your outlines and uh, let me give you that orientation that will help you kind of say, okay, I know what's going to go on here because I know we have a lot of people from the community who are here today. You've never been in this room. It's a li little bit intimidating. You're wondering what's going to happen to me. So it's good to kind of get the ground rules. So let me give you the ground rules and you can follow along in your outline. Here are four things that you need to know to succeed in our journey together. Four things to consider. Here's the first one. You will need to go the distance with me to get the most out of this material. Uh, just to let you know, men's fraternity this year is 16 sessions long, 15 after today. A third of the sessions are going to deal with your relationship with a woman. For some of you, it's going to be a girlfriend or someone you're uh, engaged to. For most of us, it's going to be our wives. But 
A third of the sessions are going to revolve around that. A third of the sessions are going to revolve around just the home and, and specific things in the home, like how we deal with money and how we deal with our children and things like that. And then a third of the sessions are going to deal with the workplace and hopefully give you some new workplace perspectives on how to see work and how to interact with those around you at work. But for you to get the most out of this year, you've got to go the distance with me, all 16 sessions. Next, you'll need to be in a small group. Uh, we found in every men's fraternity that the, really the most productive time of the fraternity is not the general session, but it's the breakouts in the small groups where you get to interact and process this material with some other men and take it more than just information, begin to take it down into my life personally and customize it to me. And some of you came as a small group, and I want to congratulate you in that, having done that, and that'll be great when we break up. Others of you, you're not in a group. After the session, we'll help you get into a group, and so please take advantage of that. But the small groups are extremely important. Third, you're going to need to keep up because every session builds on the previous one. And that's going to be very important. These, these are building blocks all along the way. And I know some of you will have to go out of town for some reason on a business trip or you're sick or whatever. If you do, the sessions will be on our internet for one week after that particular session. We keep them up there for one week so you can catch up. But we don't want to leave them up there too long for you to become dependent on them. But we do want you to know that you can uh, stay with us if you have to miss a session. But I want to really encourage you from the beginning to keep up with us. And then lastly, you will need to apply yourself for maximum impact because peppered throughout the whole year that we spend together, all 16 sessions are going to be from time to time some application projects that will help you to apply the material we're going to be talking about in some immediate ways. Because what I want you to do, since I'm the coach, so to speak, I want you to experience some success with the material before we finish the material. Nothing motivates men like results, like positive results. So if I can get you to taste some of those little wins, it'll give you the courage to go for some of the bigger ones. So we're going to have application projects uh, throughout our time together, and I want you to take those application projects uh, seriously. Next week you'll get your first application project, by the way. So those are the, those are the things that you're going to need to do to succeed with me over the course of the year. Now, I want to also give you some disclaimers to help put especially some of us who are here as guests at ease. Here's some disclaimers. First, there's no prerequisites for this year in men's fraternity. There are other men's fraternities, but each one of them are a standalone. So there's nothing that you needed to do to succeed to come in here this year. So if this is your first time to be with us, that's great. We're all starting at the same place together. Secondly, there's no pressure here. I think that's important for you to know. We're not going to embarrass anyone here. We're not going to put anyone on the spot. We're never going to ask you to do anything that's going to make you feel uncomfortable. Everybody feel good about that? So everybody just take a big, deep breath. Relax. It's going to be okay. No one's going to point the finger at you or call your name. This is a safe place here. Third, there's no offering that's going to be taken here. <laughs> We're not going to pass the plate and ask you to pay for it. This is a gift of our church to the community, and we love to do it. Fourth, there's going to be no church solicitation here. Your name is not going to go on some follow-up sheet. Somebody's going to call you in the next few weeks and begin to talk to you about our church. I know there are men from a number of churches here. Uh, some of you maybe are even for the first time considering church, but we just want you to know you're our welcomed guest. And we're not going to pressure you or follow you up in any way. You're with your group, and that's your little family during the course of men's fraternity. And then the last thing is that uh, there's, no being in, there's no being beat down here. And what I mean by that is that you already know, you came in here thinking, man, these are weighty subjects. I mean, it's talking about my wife or my girlfriend or work or my children. I mean, those issues are weighty enough, aren't they? And sometimes we feel just almost burdened by them. And they are weighty issues. But I want you to know throughout the year, 
I'm going to be as positive as I can. My goal is not to beat you down. My goal is to lift you up. It's to make life lighter for you, to make these worlds of work and home more exciting to you, uh, more with an adventure for you, to make it more satisfying for you. And then along the way, we're going to have a lot of fun. In fact, this last week, uh, I was reading Dave Berry, and he said that uh, men don't just have two mirrors, they actually have three. And here was his comment on the three mirrors of a man's life. He said, yeah, it's work and it's home, but it's also sports. And so he said this, when a guy gets married, he might say that it's for richer or for poorer until death do them part. But he knows somewhere in the deep recesses of his brain, usually about three-fourths of an inch deep for most guys, that something could come up to make him change his mind, possibly even during the reception. <laughs> Work is just as fragile. Whereas the bond that he forms with his sports team is absolutely permanent. You may feel that there's something twisted about the values of a guy who can be more committed to a bunch of transient athletes, none of whom he really knows and none of whom he care, that care about him, than he is to his own wife or to his employer. But you have to consider the larger picture from the guy's point of view. For instance, his wife may be a warm, loving, and loyal person, but there is no way that she'll ever make the playoffs. <laughs> Not even if she really works out and bulks up during the offseason. Whereas there is always a chance that if the guy remains faithful, his team eventually will not only make the playoffs, but may even win a championship. Isn't that true? Aren't we sometimes just so committed to our sports team, a permanent bond? We want to make that same kind of passion true of work and at home, and we're going to have fun doing so. So here's my goal for all of us. Here it is, stated up front. It's to liberate us to live better just to liberate us to live better. I believe there are all kinds of chains that hold men back at work and at home. I found that one of those chains is the chain of wrong assumptions that guys have about life, <clears throat> that for some reason they never challenge. And yet those wrong assumptions keep causing them to have the same unhealthy results. And yet they never challenge their assumptions, and so they stay chained to them. There's the chain called lack of understanding. They just don't know better. And you know, guys, what I want you to know is sometimes what you don't know really does hurt you. And so one of the things we want to do is bring some new, fresh understanding about work and home here. There's the chain called pride. There's the chain called social blindness where we assume our whole lives. I've got guys 60, 70 years old. Their whole lives, they're assuming that everybody needs to think the way they do. They never understand that people are different. And they've got to learn to interact with people based on those differentness. There's spiritual blindness that causes some guys to be held back. Because they never take advantage of some incredible resources that are there spiritually for them to help lift them up at home and at work. And what I want to do this year is free us from those chains so we can live better, so we can feel better, so we can be better. Our goal is to be liberated to be better. Now, before I go any further, I want to give all of you a sense of where this journey, this year's journey at working at home, fits into the other men's fraternity curriculum. So I want to put a diagram up on the screen and let you look at that, and it's in your outline, and we'll just fill it in, or you can just let it go, whatever. This is just to help orient you, but I want you to know how this journey fits in the other journeys. There are three men's fraternities. The first is the quest for authentic manhood. The second is this one at work and at home. And then thirdly, the great adventure. The focus of the quest for authentic manhood is on a man's core identity. It's what is it that makes a man a man? And we spend 24 sessions covering that. As I've already told you, uh, this session of work at home is 16 sessions, but the focus is on a man's chief responsibilities. And then finally, the great adventure, which is 20 sessions, is over a man's chosen destiny. 
The chief elements in the quest concerns a man's wounds. What is it that happened to him when he was growing up that so affects his life now? We talk about an unpacked suitcase that guys carry that oftentimes drag them down because they're unwilling to look at the past. We talk about what it is to be a man. We give a definition of manhood and we give an overview of primary manhood issues. That's the quest. Those are the elements. Concerning a man at work and at home, we're talking about how a man successfully relates to a woman and how a man rightly engages his work. And then in The Great Adventure, we talk about rediscovering the adventure in life because sometimes along life's way, guys lose the sense of adventure. And to do that, we focus on helping a man understand his unique design and helping him develop a satisfying long-term life focus. So those are the elements. And the passion of the quest is seizing your manhood. The passion of working at home is establishing your manhood. Passion of the great adventure is maximizing your manhood. And all this to say to you at the beginning, we'll not mention it again, but just that if you go through the year with us and this becomes an experience where you say, this really helped me. I wish there was more. I just want you to know there is more in the future and you can participate in it. Now, for our morning this morning, I want to give you five promises that I want to make to you for this year that I think I can deliver on before year's end. Here are the five. Here's the first one. First, I believe I can promise you that you will gain some new insights and understanding about yourself, your wife or your girlfriend, your children that have the potential to significantly improve the quality of your life. One of the things that I've learned about life as an older man, is that life turns on a few significant insights that a man will embrace. Some of you can upgrade your life at work and at home with one insight. Just one insight that you say, I finally understand, and by embracing that, a 50% upgrade. Insights are what make life Satisfying. I love what Napoleon said many, many years ago. He said, armies don't rule over men. Ideas rule. And a good insight is worth its weight in gold. A second promise is this. You will make new friendships and deepen old ones through your small group. And why I say deepen old ones, because some of you came as a small group, but you've talked about superficial things for years. This may help you go deeper and in talking about more substantive things, it'll actually strengthen your already existing relationship. And for some of you new guys just getting in a group, you'll form some lifelong friendships because they've been formed here over the years of men's fraternity. So if you're not in a group, by the way, let us help you find one after this session. Thirdly, you will receive a lifetime game plan for raising healthy sons and daughters. I'm really excited about this one. You'll get this lifetime game plan in session nine but it's a, it's a year-to-year strategy that a dad can use and follow for giving to his son or daughter some emotional, some spiritual, and some directional health so that when they leave home, they leave home with you having a smile on your face because you've delivered what I call a strategic fatherhood into their life. And then fourth, you will have the opportunity to craft 10 key moves for becoming more competent and satisfied with your life at work and at home that you can apply after our time together is over. If you look at the back of your outline, you got a draft that's included there. And that draft is there because over the course of this year, here's what's going to happen. We're going to be talking in one way or another, and, and you're going to have what I call a moment. And what I mean by a moment is you're going to hear something that's going to that you're going to say, I could, I could really improve my life if I did that with my child or that with my wife or that with my personal self at work. And, and you're going to get real excited about it, but you won't be able to immediately apply it in our session or even maybe over the course of the time that we're together. Here's what I want you to do. When you have one of those moments, I want you to keep this with you all year. And I just want you to turn and write it down as best you can. Or maybe you're in your small group and you have a moment. Write it down as best you can. 
Just keep a record of those golden insights that you could do. For instance, you may say, as I put it here for a sample, you may say, you know, I need to begin to give my son some real manhood instruction and maybe have a special ceremony for him when he's about to graduate from high school. I'm in the process of crafting that right now for my son. Or maybe you see how important it is to honor your wife because of how much words mean to her or a sense of accomplishment means for her in her life. And so you plan a special romantic getaway that's an unforgettable memory maker where you can honor her for what she's meant to you. Those are things to write down in your draft. And over the course of the years, we get towards the end, you may have 15, 20, 25 of those kind of insights. As we get to the end, I'm going to ask you to take it, this sheet, and then create another sheet, your refined sheet, your finished sheet, and take all those ideas and come down to 10 key moves that can significantly upgrade your life at work and at home. And then when we get to the last session, I'm going to ask you to make a copy of that finished copy and give it to me. And then that's what's required for you to be a part of our special celebration at the end of men's fraternity is we do in each of the men's fraternities. We have a kind of a special ceremony for those guys who are finishers. So that's a promise I can make to you that you're going to have this draft finish if you stick with me the whole time and then turn it into an action plan after men's fraternity is over. And then lastly, here's the last promise. I promise that you will understand life's paradox principle and have opportunities to practice it. And the reason I'm excited about that, that promise is because I'm going to fulfill it here today in the time we have left. So what's the paradox principle? Guys, everybody look at me for just a second because I want to be sure you hear this point. What is the paradox principle? I think it is life's ultimate success principle. I think this principle is the most important thing you'll hear me say all year, and I want to introduce it to you today so you can carry it with you throughout the year. It's the thing that makes successful men successful. It's the paradox principle. Now, what do I mean by paradox? Let me just give you Webster's definition of paradox, and we'll use this to move into explaining the principle. Here's what Webster says. A paradox is, and I quote, a seemingly absurd but possibly true statement. <laughs> Do you feel that? It's a seemingly absurd. It doesn't make any sense. That's why most men discard it. But it is a possibly true statement. And to successful men, they find the truth of it in life. There's no greater or more powerful symbol for the paradox principle than this one. The cross. The cross. Now, why is that? Because the cross makes a seemingly absurd but possibly true statement to those who confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I mean, the cross, if you think about it, is a death symbol, isn't it? Of an excruciating execution. It means the end of my life that I die. That's what the cross meant throughout history. But today in the 21st century, when we see crosses on people's necks or in churches or around town, you don't think of it as death, not if you're a Christian. You think of it as making a promise of new life. That's absurd. Death brings life? See, that's a paradox, isn't it? A seemingly absurd but possibly true statement that millions of Christians around the world confess. Well, the paradox principle makes much the same claim and even incorporates the cross as part of its claim. And I want to use this symbol of the cross to explain this paradox principle to you. There are four elements in it. And each element asks a question. And each question has a best answer. So let me give you the four elements of the paradox principle. They're these. Awareness, vision, strategy, and execution. Those are the four, and they go in that order. Awareness, vision, strategy, 
and execution. Let's start with awareness. Awareness asks a critical question of a man as he enters any arena of life. Let's just say you came here today and you're a young man and you've just engaged a serious relationship with a young woman for the first time. And it even raises the hair on the back of your neck. Even as I say this, you're thinking about a lifelong bond. Or maybe you're a young businessman and you just had a job transition. And now you're in a whole different office complex with new rules, new relationships. Maybe you're an older man and you just lost your job. Or maybe you're at the stage that I am where in a year, the last child is going to drive away and you're going to find yourself an empty nest. The only other significant other there is your life partner, your wife. In every new arena of life that a man enters into, it asks a hard question. It's an awareness question. Here's the question. Do I get it? Do I get it? Do I get what dating's about? Do I get what women are about? Do I get what raising a child, a healthy child is about? Do I get it here at work with my associates? I mean, I, I know how to push the pencil, but do I get it? The typical male answer is, yeah, pretty much. I get it. We answer that way because I've learned by watching men and watching myself all these years that deep down, because we're performance-based kind of creatures, we really think we can do it. We can get there with the resources that we presently have. And when we think that way, guys, here's what I want you to know. The paradox principle disappears and is not part of your life. But for the wiser man, if he wants to continue to implement the paradox principle, he would answer that question a different way. Do I get it? Here's the best answer. Not nearly enough. Not nearly enough to succeed. I don't really get it fully and completely. Let me show you a picture here. It's a happy looking couple, isn't it? That's me in 1971 in December. I just got married. And there we are, this couple looking adoringly at each other. And my young bride, Sherrod's looking at me, and she probably has all kinds of thoughts about how this guy's going to make my life wonderful. He's going to take me places. He's going to love me. He's going to protect me. He's going to care for me. He's going to know what to do. And there I am looking at her. And I'm probably thinking, you know, I wonder if they have a cable in the honeymoon suite. <laughs> I think the hogs are playing this week. I don't want to miss that. <laughs> now, you guys are laughing, but you know what I'm talking about. Now, here's the question. Do I get it? Do I? I don't have a clue. But let me tell you guys, in my heart, at 22 years old, I thought I knew what I was doing. Now, let me tell you, it's not just a young married that misses it like that. There are men, like I said, 40, 50, 60, and 70, who still think they get it, even though they've been Married for a long time or maybe even married many times. Let me just read you one example. It just came out in a magazine of Good Housekeeping. Donald Trump. Donald was asked this question by Good Housekeeping. Is there anything out there that you wish you had? Oh, that's a good question to ask Donald Trump, isn't it? Here's his answer. I wish I'd had a great marriage. One of my ex-wives said to me, you have to work at marriage. And I said, that's ridiculous. Man, I work all day long, well into the evening. I don't want to come home and work at marriage. A marriage has to be very easy. Donald doesn't get it. You're fired, Donald. You're fired. <laughs> He doesn't get it. It reminds me of the ship captain who was sailing in this 
pea soup fog. And he saw a light up ahead and he feared an imminent collision. So he had his signalman signal to the ship up ahead, turn your ship 10 degrees to the south. And back through the fog came a signal that said, no, you, sir, turn your ship 10 degrees to the north. Well, that made the captain angry as he moved closer to this imminent collision. So he said, send this signal. I am an admiral. Turn your ship 10 degrees to the south. And back through the fog came the signal that said, sir, I'm a seaman first class. Turn your ship 10 degrees to the north. Well, that just infuriated the captain. So he sent a signal that said, sir, I am a battleship. Turn your ship 10 degrees to the south. And back through the fog came the signal, sir, I'm a lighthouse. (laughs) See, even the captain didn't get it. And what I want you to know, guys, in the paradox principle, one of the first things every successful man thinks when he enters a new arena is I don't get it nearly enough to succeed. Which leads me to the next thing, vision, which asks this most important question. Can I see it? Can I see it? And the best answer is this, not without humility. Not without humility. Because humility is your eye opener. It's the most important attitude a man can have because humility allows a man Regardless of his past assumptions, regardless of what worked for him before, humility allows a man to open his eyes and see other alternatives that may work better for him at work and at home. When his child suddenly turns to be a teenager, he realizes, I don't get it. And humility opens his eyes for possible alternatives that can help him do better with this son or daughter who's now turning his or her face away from him. Which leads to the third thing, strategy, which asks this question, do I know what to do? Do I know what to do? And the best answer is, not without learning. Not without learning. Because only with learning something new, not just hearing about it, but actually learning it, taking the time to master it, will I find out what really needs to be done, which then leads to the next one, execution, which asks this question, will I get it done? Now I know what to do, but will I get it done? Now this is the, listen guys, look up here, this is the hardest part. Will I get it done? And here's the best answer. Not without dying some to self. Boy, that that stings, doesn't it? And that hurts a little bit. To execute anything noble, I have to execute me. That's why the cross is such a good symbol here. To execute anything that's noble, that's worthy of praise, that makes a real difference, that allows me to look in this mirror and go, I'm doing pretty good. Or look in this mirror and say, I'm stepping up. The only way I'll ever get there and be a real authentic man is a little part of me has to die in that moment to execute what I know to be true. And then when I do that, when I make the full circle from awareness to vision to strategy, and then I execute by executing, then I discover the power of the paradox principle right in that moment or right after that moment. Because in dying a little to myself at this critical moment, to love my my wife rightly or to raise my kids with a new wise way or to engage my work with some new strategies that I've learned that really work by successful people, in that moment I learned the power of the paradox principle because after I implement that, I discover a major surprise that comes back to me. And what is that? (laughs) I discover that after I died a little, all of a sudden I start living better. You know what you call that? To die a little, to live better? That's an absurd but possibly true statement. 
isn't it? And every successful man that I know, every successful dad or employer or employee or husband learns that when he dies a little, he experiences afterwards a miraculous resurrection of new life, not just for his family or his employees or his employer, but for himself. Let me give you an example. It kind of goes way back to my time in college. When I was a college student, I got, I got, I got to tell you, I was a terrible student. I never had any training in being a student. So I muddled my way through high school. Somehow I got into college. But I remember when my grade point, my sophomore year sank below two points. I knew I was in trouble. And here's what I experienced all the way through high school and all the way through college, and some of you guys will identify with me. I was always thinking. I always had this little voice in the back of my head saying, you need to study, you need to study. And guys would say, hey, let's go out tonight. Let's do this. And I would go. But the whole time the voice was back there just taking the edge off my good time, saying, you didn't study. I mean, a test is coming. you got to get with it. You're going to fail. And I'd be beat down inside even while I was out having a good time or watching the ball game with the guys down at the, you know, the local restaurant or whatever, out playing golf or whatever it might be. And then the night before the test, I'm sweating it like, you know, what's going to happen to me? Asking God somehow to get me through, even though I wasn't even a Christian at the time. Somehow deliver me tomorrow in some miraculous way. And then the next day I'd go and I'd take the test and I'd feel all beat down because I knew I didn't do well. And then I was just hoping to pass. And then I'd finally get it and see my grade. And then I'd feel less even then because then I'd go, now I've got to work even harder to catch up. And then the guys would say, let's go out somewhere. And then I'd take off going out. But the whole time the voice just got louder. You're going to fail. You're no good. You see how that works? Then I came to my senior year. I'd put off all my upper level classes to my senior year. My senior year rolls around. I move in with a graduate student. This guy was watching me. And one day he leaned over and he said, you know, you don't know how to study. I said, what do you mean? I know how to study. He said, man, you're about to flunk out. And for the first time, fearing that, I said, well, tell me how you study. And so he took a little time, and he would sit down with me. We'd sit there, and here's what the goal was. He said, if you'll just take an hour and really get after it, after you finish, not only will you study less, but you'll study better because you'll stay ahead of the game, and you'll do well. So I asked him in that moment, I said, will you help me do that? He said, sure. So every night I'd come home, we lived together, I'd, we'd eat, I'd sit down, we'd study together. And I will never forget this. Going home at the end of that first semester of my senior year, and my mom about to pass out in the kitchen holding a sheet of paper from the dean of the University of Arkansas saying I'd made the dean's list. But here's what I discovered. Because I didn't like sitting down after supper and studying for an hour. I hated it. I had to die a little. But you know what I noticed by the end of my senior year in college? Guys would call me up and say, hey, let's go to the movie tonight. I'd say, man, I'd love to. And I didn't hear the voice. There was nothing back there saying, you're falling behind. You've got a project coming up. You need to study. You need to get with it. You're going to fail. You're not any good. You're dumb. That voice went away. And I started initiating things to do, and I started feeling lighter and freer. I came to my senior year, and I graduated on the dean's list two semesters in a row with the hardest classes that I ever took at the university. And that led to a graduate school where I graduated in the top of my class and a master's and a doctorate. And where did it begin? It all turned on the paradox principle. You die a little, you live a lot. Refuse to die a little, you're going to die a whole lot. You guys got it? That's the most important thing you'll ever hear me say this year. 
It's the key principle that unlocks home and it will unlock work. And all through the year, I'm going to give you some mini little projects. They're not hard, but next week when I give you your first, you know the first thing you're going to hear in the back of your mind? I got to die a little to do that. <laughs> okay, don't do it. Stay in your rut and keep doing it the way you've always done it. But you're going to experience what you've always experienced. You know, Jesus taught the paradox principle. Here's the way he taught it in Luke chapter 9. He said it this way. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever loses his life for my sake, whoever loses his life, he is the one who will save it. Now look at that verse for a moment. Do you see the four principles or the four elements of the paradox principle? You see them in there? Well, let's go back to the cross. I'll put them on the cross real quick and you'll see. When it comes to awareness, do I get it? <laughs> Jesus knew we didn't get it. That's why he said, deny yourself. Don't trust your instincts every time or your selfishness or your pride or your immediate assumptions. Deny yourself because only when you deny yourself are you going to even get anywhere in the posture of hearing an alternative. Secondly, when it comes to vision, can I see it? Jesus knew we couldn't see it without humility, and that's why he said, take up your cross daily. You know that phrase, take up your cross daily? That's a first century metaphor for the posture of humility. So you can see. When it comes to strategy, do I know what to do? Jesus knew we didn't know what to do and that we needed fresh new information to succeed in life. And that's why he said this, follow me. And when it comes to execution, will I get it done? Jesus knew we'd never get it done unless we were willing to die some to self. And that's why he said, whoever loses his life, that's the man who's going to save it. Now here's what I want you to know. I want you guys to know the paradox principle works. It works in spiritual life. It works in everyday life. It works in successfully engaging a woman. It works in successfully raising children. It works at work. It's the universal success principle of life. Many of you saw the movie Gladiator. In fact, let me just see. How many of you saw the movie Gladiator just for a moment? Okay, most of you. At the very beginning of that movie, Maximus is about to launch his legions against the barbarians. You remember that great opening scene. And in that scene, he moves up and down the ranks of his legionnaires to encourage them. And the way he encourages them is by uttering to them a simple but sacred statement that he believes is the key to victory. He said it to them, they would say it back to him. Do you remember what it was? Right at the very first scene, he looks up and looks at one of his commanders and he goes, strength and honor. And the commander turns back to him and goes, strength and honor. Then he turns to the soldier next to him and says, strength and honor. And it goes all the way up and down the ranks. Because regardless of who the enemy is, if they were to have any chance, if they were to be Romans... They would have to unleash this attack with the two key principles that were at the core of their success. And that was strength and honor. And here's what I want you guys to know. I'm no Maximus. But I am the guide for this year. And I want to win, don't you? I want to win. And I like being around winners. <laughs> And over the course of this year, I'm going to give you some new awarenesses and some new information and some new visions and some new strategies and some special application projects that I really do believe can help you. But here's what I want you to hear me say here as we launch together right at the starting line. So listen very closely. The key to victory is not in awarenesses and it's not in strategies and it's not in information. And it's not in the application projects. I wish they were, but they're not. 
The key to victory is in a simple but sacred statement that's embedded in the core of life that every successful man finally discovers and lives by. And here it is. Die to live. Die to live. Every man knows that. But the man on the other side of it knows it differently than the man on the front side. The man on the front side only hears die. Sounds hard, heavy, evil. That's all he hears is die. The man on the backside, the successful man, here's what he hears. Live. Live. I'm living better at work and at home. That's what it's led me to. It is, it is a death, but it always blossoms into new life. Because at the core of life is a paradox. Die to live. Guys, we're going to have a great year together. 16 sessions together. And what I hope is that at the end of this year, you'll be able to come to your mirror and look in that mirror and say, mirror, mirror on the wall, am I doing any good at all? And with a crystal clear voice, you will hear this response. Better than ever. Wouldn't that be great? We're going to have a great year, guys. Welcome to Men's Fraternity. Thank you for listening to this week's message. It really helps us when you rate and review this podcast. If you found today's teaching helpful, take time to do that today. This podcast was produced by the team at Sound of a Rose. Visit soundofarose.com for any of your podcasting needs.